0: Now, you know me, Justin, I'm relatively well-travelled, having spent a fair amount of time abroad recently. So that's meant accessing the content I want to watch has been difficult. But don't fear, Justin, because there's a solution. What's the solution? It's a handy tool called NordVPN. What's NordVPN, Ryan? Justin, NordVPN is a cyber Swiss army knife. With plenty of features and benefits. Firstly, being able to access streaming services from different countries by changing your virtual location at the push of a button, giving you access to so much more content. It means missing sporting events, not being able to watch your favourite shows or films. is a thing of the past. Better yet, it doesn't just stop at football. So you're telling me it just gives me access to different content? Absolutely not. There's so much more. You can save money, for example, by scouring different flights from different virtual locations, giving you the best deals possible. Better yet, you can do this by purchasing different subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. This is all knowing you're accessing a service that was named in Times Magazine's Best Inventions for 2022. So what are you waiting for? Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash second tier to get a huge discount off your Nord VPN plan, plus a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. It's the equivalent to buying a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by this international break compared to every other international break. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. What I'm trying to say is, neither of us are great, but this one is particularly boring. Justin, how are you? No, yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Um, I don't think this international break has been that boring. It's been okay. It seems to have gone on forever is my main bugbear with it. I think it's been quite interesting in terms of what's been happening with Scotland and Wales, who have both had a great international breaks. Mm. England have a, had a very good international break as well. Very professional performances, which is always code for they've won, but the games are a bit boring. But in terms of how long it's been, it seems like ages ago since we last spoke about Championship Football. Only last Thursday? Yeah. Well, last, last Thursday, Thursday was last... Yeah, but the last time we spoke about any actual action,
1: uh, championships all action all day, every day of the week, Ryan. Twenty four seven. Okay, that's a championship baby.
0: Okay, well, good to have a good discussion (laughs) with you about that, Justin. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. It's the beginning of the business end of the season, ladies and gentlemen. And what better way to kick things off with a derby weekend. We've got three derbies this weekend. Luton v Watford, Preston v Blackpool, Cardiff v Swansea. have we ended up with such a delicious serving of championship football? Not a clue, but let's enjoy it anyway. We've got some big games as well elsewhere in the championship. Norwich v Sheffield United is one game in particular that sticks out in my mind and plenty of others for us to kind of knit over in this episode as we look ahead to the games coming up in the Championship this weekend. So we'll do that, do some previews, me and Justin will make some predictions, talk about some of the news from the past week as well and then we'll finish off with Diddy or Dinty right at the end. So let's kick off with our previews and in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I each pick a team we think is guaranteed to win in the Championship this coming weekend and also pick the team we think will be the biggest surprise winner. So just Peach, who is your banker of the weekend in the championship? It's perhaps the only really obvious banker this weekend mm. because
1: the games are so competitive um coming up at, yeah, on, on Saturday, and it's it, I've got Middlesbrough to beat Huddersfield, and as I say, it's basically top one of the top sides v one of the bottom sides, isn't it? And, and in Middlesbrough's form, sort of lends into that. You've got a team vying for automatic promotion compared to a team fighting for the lives. and I think you can argue that both sides are fighting for the lives for the respective causes, um, which will make this game quite competitive, which will be which will be fun. I think you've got the Neil Warnock factor as well. Neil Warnock, obviously, yeah, I think he feels a bit unjust about his sacking from Middlesbrough last season, so he's probably wanting to to get one over, and obviously he needs to build upon this relatively positive run of form that Huddersford have been on, so it's going to be an uncomfortable game at times for Middlesbrough, but I think that quality that Middlesbrough have are going to shine through remarkably as well. Middlesbrough's last four away wins have all been by the scoreline of 3-1, which is incredible. It shows that they've got so much quality, endeavour, ability going forwards, and they don't really care if they're home or away. Um, I think what impresses me more is the fact that they could be in second gear at one point in the game, and then all of a sudden they go third, fourth, fifth. They just switch it on so quickly, and I think Huddersfield are going to be a side that, are going to struggle to to, to cope with that. You got the form of the players. Jacob Ramsey's had a good international break, so he's managed to carry that form that he left going out of the going out of the league into England under twenty one duty. He's been talking about how he's ready for the national setup, which is um, which is interesting. The the senior side that is. So why are you bringing yeah. up Jacob Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey? Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> There's, this is, I think, this happens sort of two or three times a season. It happens with the Murphy twins quite often. They get mixed up, and when 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 you've got two of the same name, it's difficult, very difficult for me. Um, anyway, where was I? Yeah, Huddersfield are, are, are a poor side. Let's let's not um, let's not beat around the bush. They're a poor side, but they've got they've got Warnock in charge wanting to prove a point. So as I say, there'll be some uncomfortable moments for Middlesbrough, but they've got the quality to see it through.
0: Yeah, you're quite right. This is the obvious banker. ...of the weekend and my, the only doubt in my mind comes from the brilliant shit housing that Neil Warnock produced against Millwall just before the international break. Having said that, someone pointed out that Neil Warnock's actually got a horrendous record against Middlesbrough. I think it's 10 wins to 12... Um, for Middlesbrough against Neil Warnock or eight wins to ten or something like that. Either way, it's not a very good record by Neil Warnock's very lofty standards. So yeah, I'd definitely be fancying a Middlesbrough win and I'd be very surprised if there's anything but, to be quite honest. My banker for the championship this weekend is Burnley to beat Sunderland at Turf Moor on Friday night. Now Burnley... Closing in on promotion, they could have secured they could secure it in a couple of weeks if my maths is correct, which it probably isn't. But they've cruised back to the Premier League in style, and it's only a matter of time before they secure their place back in the Premier League. Only one team in Championship history has picked up more points after thirty-seven games than Burnley, that being the record-breaking side, Reading side of 2005-06. This is no ordinary title winning championship team because they've cruised past other sides on so many occasions and in my mind are the greatest championship team ever purely for how dominant they've been and how they've done it in such style. They're unbeaten in the league since November, they've only failed to win one game at Turf Moor in all competitions since the start of October and they're simply too strong to for Sunderland, Burnley could have Taylor Harwood-Bellis as well back for this game in my mind the best defender in the division this season, Josh Brownhill's been expected to return after the international break, one of the best midfielders in the division this season Manuel Benson's fit again, those are a good group of players for Burnley to have back in time for the business end of the season as they have a crack at breaking the points record and they'll fancy their chances of bloody doing it as well Sunderland are a good side, it's been a great season for them Their standards have dropped recently though. They've lost four of their last six games. They've not been as creative as they have been and it's ultimately meant their playoff hopes are looking very, very, very slim now. Injuries certainly haven't helped with that roster at Corey Evans, Adi Elise, Elliot Hamilton amongst those expected to miss the rest of the season. Dan Ballard is a doubt after getting injured while playing for Northern Ireland and Dennis Sirkin has been recovering from a concussion. So they've certainly racked up a fair few people in the treatment room at this point. And I mean, they're already up against it with this Burnley side. And they're more than just a bit patched up at this point with the amount of injuries they've had. Also sure upset, Justin, because I think it may be linked to this game. Yeah, just a just a big case of bore off Ryan.
1: Um, surprise result is is Sunderland to beat Burnley. I wanted to go with Sunderland because of Tony Mowbray. Um and his his thinking uh, and, and his you know way of dealing with these games is is a very positive one. Um, Sunderland have been patched up all season by the way and they've still managed to maintain top half form, which I think is incredible. So there's no reason why they can't do that going in after this international break so I've got high hopes for Sunderland now I've bet against Burnley quite a few times mainly because I just don't think any side in the championship can maintain an unbeaten home for throughout the course of the season so I'm I'm betting on Sunderland to, to upset the Clarets at Turf more and as I say a lot of my a lot of my um, chips are going on Tony Mowbray being a good tactician at this level. He's made his Sunderland side adaptable. They're a very good counter-attacking team. I'd argue that they probably this might suit them better than some of the games that they've had because they don't have a focal point on front. Of playing that possession, fluid style of football has been difficult in recent weeks, which is why standards may have dropped. So actually switching to a counter-attacking system, which they're going to have to do against Burnley because they're so good with the ball, might suit them a lot more with the, the, the personnel that they've got available. Sunderland have also shown that they've beaten sides pushing for promotion this season. They've beaten Millwall, Middlesbrough, Norwich. So why not Burnley? Um, it's it's going to be a tough Take game. Take Burnley are a
0: bit of a different beast
1: than Manchester. No, 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 no. Be quiet. Be quiet. I'm just trust me. Trust me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Company side, I think may possibly have a hangover coming in after that drubbing against Man City in the FA Cup prior to the international break. There's a lot of time where that's been made to stew. I think and uh, I think Tony Murphy's going maybe going to look at that he'll be switched on to it and he will look to exploit those weaknesses that were exploited by the one of the best
0: teams in in the world. There's a bit of difference between <laughs> Man City and Sunderland <laughs> it's got to be said. So I mean for a start Man City uh, Sunderland don't have Erling Haaland do they? So uh, I th- I think that's the first shortcoming in your theory there Justin. Well they've got a left-footed forward player who's um,
1: a very technical, technically gifted player in Joe Gerhardt so I don't see why um,
0: Haven't you been slagging yeah. off Joe Gerhardt for the last few I months saying he's have, not Ross Stewart
1: And also I'm, I'm diminishing my argument by making that comparison so forget Man City
0: forget I made that point Tony <laughs> Mowbray, Bray's man Okay I, I like your theory is essentially I like Tony Mowbray as a manager <laughs> and I don't think Burnley can win every game <laughs> You should have just said that Yeah Solid, solid logic. And yeah, no wonder it's bad at betting. <laughs> hey, if, yeah. <laughs> hey, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Put your mortgage on Sunderland to win this weekend. God. My upset for the championship this weekend is Swansea to beat Cardiff in the South Wales Derby at the Cardiff City Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Now, the South Wales Derby is always one of the biggest games in the championship. Um, for Swansea their season is virtually over they can look forward to us commentating on them again next season you lucky buggers Cardiff are still fighting to stay up and are by no means safe and I think they're being overlooked a bit in this relegation battle we did a poll before the international break on which team outside the bottom three is most in danger of going down and people voted for QPR Reading and Rotherham ahead of them now that's fair enough because they're not playing as badly as some of those teams I just mentioned there but Cardiff is still right in it one win in th- one win in four and just 3 points above the relegation zone they've still got plenty of work to do meanwhile Swansea got back to back uh, got back to winning ways sorry just before the break it was a professional 2-0 win over Bristol City and have a great chance to make it back to back wins while also inflicting a painful loss in numerous ways on their big rivals the big thing for me though is Swansea's exceptional record in this fixture over we over recent years swansea have won 6 of the last 8 south wales derbies losing just once in the process in fact They've only conceded one goal in that time, which is absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, it's been an underwhelming season for Swansea, but ultimately, they're a better side than Cardiff. And doing the double over their big rivals for the second year running will leave everyone at the club delighted after what has been a very underwhelming season. So I'm backing a Swansea win in the big South Wales derby on Saturday afternoon. What do you think, Justin? Lamushi is a tactician.
1: So these games are going to favour, I think, someone of Lamouche's character than maybe someone of Martin's uh, style—not um, character, but definitely style. So I—I I don't sit as confident. Well, I mean, it's a surprise result you, you're betting on, but I don't sit as confident on Swansea winning this one as 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 perhaps you do, mainly because I've been so impressed with Cardiff under lamouche They've—they have turned a corner. They would have gone into an international break with a with an extra three points if it wasn't for the pesky British weather. Um, And I think that performance against Rotherham can't be overlooked. I know it was for a short period of time, but they looked fantastic. And I don't think Swansea are in a great place at the moment. I know they won just before the international break, but I think Cardiff will look to exploit some very obvious weaknesses there. They've got Cabra as well up top, who is a big boy. Swansea's defenders don't like playing against tall tall forwards which is a very basic argument to make but they're not very dominant in the air and
0: I think Cardiff are going to exploit that and I think they'll get a result. Judging from how Swansea have defended in recent weeks I'm not sure they enjoy playing against any forwards um, because they have been pretty bad defensively but having said that you'd hope that the win at the weekend or two weeks ago now um, is a turning point for them but they're the fact that they've only conceded one goal in the last eight South Wales derbies. I'm not sure that stat is going to continue considering how bad they've been defensively (laughs) since the turn of the year, but we'll have to wait and see. But I, I do fancy a Swansea win out of these two teams. Let's finish off our preview of the weekend, Justin, with the big game of the weekend. And we've gone with Luton v Watford at Kenilworth Road on Saturday lunchtime. The M1 derby. Out of the three derby games... This is, without a doubt, the biggest one, simply because both sides still have plenty to play for. Luton, a fourth, with a seven-point cushion inside the top six. Watford, tenth, five points off a top six place. And Watford need to get points on the board, don't they? Their playoff hopes are fading away, and a loss here could see them eight points off the top six, which will be a big, big points gap to overcome with just seven games remaining, won't it? Yeah, it's, it's a massive, massive game for, for Watford, probably bigger
1: than it is for and for I know it'll be a big game for, for most, but Watford need to rack up the wins quickly. They need to get, gather some momentum quickly um, because, as you said, time's running out for them. They are slipping away from the, the, the top six, five points off Millwall, which is a, a fairly hefty gap when you've only got eight games to go. So um, getting results and, and, as I say, gathering momentum going into that um, yeah yeah final stages of the season is, is absolutely vital and there's no better way to do it than beating your, your arch rivals going back to the the reverse fixture in October both sides are probably in a similar vein of of form whereas Wat, Watford were probably recovering from Rob Edwards sacking and Billich bedding himself in uh, and Luton in a good place under Nathan Jones and now fast forward to now it's it's two different managers um, but Watford they, they their quality Showed against against Luton in that game, and it could well do the could could well be the case here in, in this one. So it's going to be an interesting game, closely fought again, but it's going to be spicy, and that's what we want. Who are you fancying for this one then, JP? I, I I want to put my money on Luton. I want to I'd want to side with Luton because they're in a much better uh, run of form. Rob Edwards is going to be wanting to to prove a point as well. Um, so again, it's really hard to look past him. But Watford have got so much quality. Chris Wilder's has had them for two weeks. So I might sit on the fence and I'd go I'd go for a high-scoring draw. I'd go 2-2 two, two with this one. It's going to be a, an entertaining game. Lots of big tackles as well.
0: Alan Campbell's going to enjoy himself. I, I like the look of this one 2-2, yeah. Interesting. Well, for me, form goes out the window in a derby. It's the it's the it's one of the biggest cliches <laughs> of all, but I think judging on my championship experience, I've seen it plenty of times where form has just completely gone against it in a derby. Um But that's very good news for Watford because four wins since Christmas is no form at all for a side aiming for the playoffs and they'll be hoping to get a win here to reignite their top six hopes despite form supposedly not uh, not being a thing in derby games. I am siding with Luton though. When I'm trying to predict how a derby game is going to go, I try to think about which team is going to want it more and... It's a no contest in that respect for me. This Watford team has looked short on desire since the turn of the year. It's chock full of talent, but not much else. It's very different to Luton, who give 110% every game. They work their socks off and they'll want revenge for the 4-0 thumping they received earlier in the season. Rob Edwards will fancy revenge as well. Of course, this is the first time he's come back to face his former side and uh, will want to stick one right in the Potso's face and say ha, ha, look at that lads um, so he, he'll be well up for it as well so I definitely fancy a Luton win an additional point, no team has completed the league double in this fixture since 1988 so another thing that goes in their favour in Luton's favour if it means much at all Justin let's take a quick break, after that we'll talk about some of the news from the past week and then we'll finish off with Diddy or Didn't he? Back to the second tier podcast, and now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and it has been a crazy international break at Wigan Athletic. The players have finally been paid, you'll be glad to know, but only after refusing to train and issuing an open letter saying they have been disrespected by the club. Defender Stephen Colker posted on LinkedIn saying the lies which have been told to the players are absolutely scandalous. Well, the club chairman Talal El Hamad has assured supporters in an open letter that the late payment of wages would never happen again we've saying they've said this before and been proving wrong the next round of wages are due to be paid on the 7th of april so it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens there. Meanwhile, club chief exec Mel Branigan has stepped down from his role. He had flown to Bahrain last weekend to seek clarity from the owners, along with manager Sean Maloney. Al Hamad said in his open letter that the club will now bring in a new strategic direction with an emphasis on operating within their means. It's important for us to be financially responsible going forward and we're fully committed to doing so, he said. A truly crazy couple of weeks, Justin. What have you made of everything that's been happening at the DW Stadium? There's... uh, I don't know because
1: there are are strides forward and you would take them as positive, but you've got a chairman there who says a hell of a lot and sadly doesn't deliver on those promises that he makes. The the comment about living within their means, having a... um, a strategic direction in by are living by their means i think is an absolutely bonkers statement to make the club was just out of administration when they took over they should be thinking more prudently obviously they haven't which is as i say absolutely bonkers for a club to be doing that um and they've clearly been unable to to maintain their uh their, their financial commitment because quite clearly they haven't been living within their means as as very very obviously stated by the by the chairman. It's um, it's there. There are positive steps forward. The players have been paid. They're going into that final stage of the season, hopefully without a cloud hanging over them. And maybe they can, maybe they can mount um, a challenge to 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 get out of the bottom three. It's going to be a tough one, but it should lift a lot of pressure off Sean Maloney and the players. Stephen Colker's statement on LinkedIn, of all places, was very damning. But it just goes to show how desperate and frustrating and anger-inducing the situation was at Wigan and hopefully, as I say, that cloud's been lifted.
0: Well, a lot's happened, but I'm not sure anything will have necessarily been resolved. I'm glad the players have finally been paid, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the club fails to pay the wages on time again before the season's over because I simply don't trust what they've got to say despite all of their promises. And I'm not sure why it's Mel Brannigan who's seemingly taken the fall for all this. The wages aren't coming from his pocket. If I had to guess what's happened, he's possibly said some strong words to the owners, which they didn't like. And the reason Wigan are, pro- are more than likely going down at this point is because I think they just haven't signed enough players in the the past couple of transfer windows. And I think a lot of that has been down to the lack of money they've had available to them. I mean, Mal Braddington did a fantastic job in guiding Wigan from administration back into the championship and he's the one who's been put had the fingers pointed at him for things not going well which I just don't think is right sure the signings they made weren't great over the past summer but as I say it, it could have been a lot different if they had a lot more money to spend and the more we hear about Wigan's financial situation it seems more than more to me that they just didn't have enough money to sign more players because they only signed what three or four last summer and that was just never going to be enough to see them into safety in the championship this season so I think it's a shame that he's gone really I've seen plenty of rumours peddled about on social media but the fact of the matter is that he's done quite a good job in the time that he's been at Wigan so yeah it's going to be interesting to see who they're getting next but overall there's still a lot and lot. I, I think there's so much reassurance that needs doing from these owners that I just think it's irre, irreparable now. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 Talal Ahmad can say all he wants. He can release all the open letters that he wants, put out as many tweets as he wants. But I think it's, it's beyond the point of repair, really. And I think these owners just need to get gone because I don't really see what they're bringing to Wigan Athletic that makes them a better football club. Let's go to Huddersfield, who have been taken over by a North American group. It's being fronted by the owner and chief exec of Sacramento Republic Football Club, Kevin M. Nagel. By the way, he is the most American-looking man I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Such a picture of him and you'll see what I mean. Anyway, it's after Chairman Dean Hoyle acquired 100% of the club's shares and subsequently sold them. He initially took over in 2009 before selling the club to Phil Hodgkinson after 11 years at the club. He returned in 2021 to provide funding due to Hodgkinson's financial difficulties, but stepped down as chief exec for health reasons in 2022. The takeover is subject to legislative and governance procedures. Meanwhile, the Daily Mail says Dean Hoyle has written off £40 pounds as part of the deal in order to keep the club out of administration, which would, of course, lead to a 12-point deduction. This is all huge news for Huddersfield Town, Justin, and hopefully positive news for supporters after what's been a fairly dismal season.
1: Yeah, a dismal season, one of frustration. Obviously, I think everyone expected the club to build upon that playoff final finish from Carlos Corbran. It wasn't the case, Corbran left. Yeah, this has been a, a season where yeah, many supporters just haven't been able to enjoy. So hopefully this is some positive news, whether Huddersfield staying in the championship or not, their ownership situation is, is, is going to be resolved should the checks come out, come out well and they can look to their future. Um, I think it's one of a, a positive, I, I read that, uh nagel nagel um being british i'd pronounce it nagel um anyway uh i read that he was an entrepreneur from a young age he was he helped his family um helped finance his family by finding lost golf balls and selling them back to golfers at the age of six classic classic which shows he can work on a budget (laughs) that's a big thing he can work on a budget He's um, he's proactive, which is always, you know it's what you need in an ownership. Um, so I mean, I'm being facetious, but you get the point. He's, he's he's clearly got the the right intentions, which is which is ideal. So yeah, it's big news for this field, and obviously they can you know, put a, uh, close the bucket on what has been a dismal season. Finish
0: this eight games, see where they go, and then build from there. I'm convinced 80% of American millionaires started out by collecting golf balls on golf courses <laughs> because it just seems to be such a cliche kind of story. Um, but I mean, I don't know anything about this guy. I won't pretend to. So only time will tell whether he's a good owner of a football club. Um, but Huddersfield, Huddersfield fans have been very frustrated with the way the club has been run over the past 12 months. That's entirely understandable because it's been farcical. So cool. And the club needs to go in a different direction, whichever division it's in next season. So this is great news. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the likes of Lee Bromby, the head of football operations, a man who hasn't got much right this season. So I'll be amazed if he doesn't go. Then whoever these owners get in to replace him and the other senior people at the club they've got a big job on their hands whichever the division they're in they've got to get they've basically got to gut the club and start again really because there isn't many positives to hold on to about it right now they've had loads of success over the past decade but in recent years things have gone a bit awry and so it's time for them to just hit the reset button and go again i will I'm pretty sure they'll have to get a new manager in because I can't see Neil Warnock being in charge again next season. So that's the first place you'll have to start. And that's obviously the biggest place to start. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they get in. It's going to be very interesting as well to see how many players they bring in as well. Because I think they need a new squad because I'm not convinced this current squad will do very well in League One uh, as things stand. So a huge, huge job on for whoever the owners get in to kind of run the footballing side of things the daily mirror reports any purchaser of birmingham city needs to prove they have liquid funds of around 75 million pounds it's because the owners are demanding 35 million in staged payments and the club is losing between 13 to 16 million per season at all order justin <laughs> it's pocket change isn't it um, yes, yeah, so it's a lot of money. £75
1: million for a championship club who's failed to finish in the top half of the championship for I don't know how many seasons it's been now. Quite a long time. Um, a club that's losing money. A club that's <clears throat> training ground. Recently caught fire. A club that doesn't have a fully open stadium. £75 million is a lot of money. Um, if you look at some of the clubs that have gone for that for Hull. Hull in a relatively good place. Uh, I think they sold for thirty million. Off the top of my head, Derby fifteen million because of the debt. So, yeah, seventy-five million for a football club that is just about functioning is is is, is uh, very expensive, um, and it's very hard to see. Again, it's just hard to see someone coming in with that kind of money for. Again, it's a really important point to make for a club that is only just functioning. Um, yeah, I do feel for Birmingham fans because this isn't the news they wanted to hear, and it just goes to show how how much of a bad investment it's been or how, how badly run it's been, I should say, actually. Don't think it was a bad investment. It's just been poorly executed by the current ownership.
0: Yeah, well, you're 100%. They're paying for the clumsiness of how the club's been run over the past few seasons now. So whoever does buy Birmingham City, if it, if indeed it does happen, because I feel like it's a bit touch and go as things stand, is basically starting off by taking a loss. And that's not a good place to start with, is it? And from a neutral perspective, I'd be looking at this saying, why would I want to buy Birmingham City? Of course, it's a great club, loads of history and great fan base as well. But you're having to fork out a hell of a lot of money before you even, you know, starting from scratch and getting the club going in the right direction. So... You've got to say there's a lot of other clubs who are also up for sale, looking for new owners, who would be much more attractive investments. So I'm not sure why a wealthy businessman would want to take over Birmingham City. I admire anyone who does look at it and says, yes, let's let's take this project on, but I can't really see many positives for wanting to take things on, really. There's a lot more negatives than there is positives. I'll put it that way. Apple is considering bidding for the streaming rights to EFL games. Now, not too long ago, we were saying that there's going to be something of a bidding war for the rights when the current contract expires with Sky at the end of the 2024-25 season. Going to be very interesting to see how we view EFL games in three seasons' time because it could be very well over multiple streaming platforms because there's plenty of interest. In transfer news, Johnny Halson signed a one year contract extension at Middlesbrough. His current deal was set to expire at the end of the season. Well deserved, Justin. Probably the unsung hero of this Middlesbrough team, isn't he? Probably would. He's
1: probably gone under the radar. I think Hayden is maybe stolen some of the plaudits because of his rise into the first team. Um, but he has been absolutely exceptional especially under Michael Carrick because I think his form was good under Chris Wilder to be fair but yeah he's he's been brilliant and at the age he is he's absolutely fantastic I expected him to transition more so into that player coach role this season Um, because obviously I think he's coaching with the under 21s or under 23s whatever it is Um, so it's remarkable that he's been so consistent and again it's just testament to his professionalism and fitness and ability to adapt because as I say he's, he's been absolutely fantastic and it would be brilliant to see him back in the Premier League at for whatever year old Johnny House and doing it in the in the
0: top flight. But yeah, fantastic news. He's deserved it. He's been brilliant this season. He's probably one of the most underrated players ever yeah. in the Championship anti because he? he's yeah, done it yeah, yeah. regularly for so many years now. I mean, there weren't many good signings from that Tony Pulis period under at Middlesbrough, but he was he's been a good one despite them having to fork out a fair bit of money for him. But nonetheless, he he's just a really good player, a really solid pro in and You know, he's been exceptional alongside Hayden Hackney in midfield. So, yeah, definitely the unsung hero of this Middlesbrough side. So, commentary midfielder Ben Sheaf has agreed a new contract to keep him at the club until 2026. Huge news for them, as many listeners will know. I'm a bit of a Ben Sheaf superfan and regulars say he's the most underrated player in the league. So... Um, It's actually to the point now where he's probably not underrated anymore but he's still just 25 so this contract means he'll be staying at the club for some of his prime years which is excellent news for Coventry City. Swansea midfielder Jay Fulton has signed a new deal until 2026. The 28-year-old is their longest serving player having joined in 2014. Wigan midfielder James McLean has revealed he's been diagnosed with autism. His daughter is also autistic but says he sought his own diagnosis after he and his wife Erin uh, began to recognise many small traits he had first seen in his daughter. Very brave of him, Justin, similarly to Ken Seamer and his stammer. hope this encourages people with disabilities to think that there isn't a barrier to them making it as a footballer. Del Stevens has retired from football at the age of 33. The midfielder played in the Championship at Brighton and Charlton. has been a free agent since leaving Burnley last summer. Has had injury problems, but he was a good player, wasn't he? He was a good player
1: and again, he's, he's one of those that's got probably gone under the radar. Um, very good in that system that Chris Hewton deployed. Um, very good ball winner, really good passing range as well. Surprised no clubs sort of taking a punt on him. I'd have expected quite a few to maybe ask a few questions and there was rumours of him being on trial at several clubs. Um, but yeah, a really good player. Again, probably one one of those that's gone under the radar. He's Burnley spell was really quite underwhelming but yeah if you remember him for that Brighton spell and when when he was at Charlton as well he did score some very good goals so yeah good
0: player underrated at times and yeah give him my well wishes yeah played quite a few games at Premier League level as well Um, my lasting memory of him though is I think he was at Charlton and he did an overhead kick pass in the middle of the pitch um, to basically switch play and it was remarkable if you, I think it's on YouTube have a search for it because it is it is very impressive but I think he he did score an absolute worldie For Charlton as well, a volley from the edge of the box, which was fantastic. So, yeah, very good player, Del Stevens. Wish him all the best with whatever he does next. And finally, the date of the Championship Player Final has been confirmed. It's going to be on the 27th of May, which is a Saturday over the years. It's either been on the Saturday or the bank holiday Monday. But they've decided to go with the Saturday this year, which is bad news for us, Justin, because our stupid friend has decided to get married that weekend.
1: Yeah, not only did he make us go to Mexico for a stag do and completely inconveniences recording, um he arranges his uh wedding for the most important weekend of the footballing calendar at EFL level um because not only that but Derby could also reach the, the playoffs uh, as well um it's incredibly selfish don't do it don't ever get married in May this is a message for everyone don't get married in May don't book holidays in May just leave May out of it you know what I mean like, come on
0: this is ridiculous yeah. Yeah, I completely sympathise with those feelings. I, ignoring our inconvenient wedding for a sec, not me and you get married, let's make that clear. Um, it's I always prefer it to be on the bank holiday Monday anyway, because yeah. it just feels like you start off with the League 2 game, then League 1, then you build up to the championship game on the Monday. I know it wrecks the pitch, but yeah, still... Yeah, it's, I, I I get what you mean. It's you want to build to a spectacle.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd argue maybe have the leagues one and two on the on the Saturday, um, and then have the championship on the on the Sunday, and then you've got Monday for your hangover. That's what
0: I would do. I mean, I'm not sure the groundsmen would agree with having two games <laughs> on the same day. Uh, in fact, that'll be a logistical nightmare, Justin. That's an absolutely terrible shout. That's why I don't work in logistics. <laughs> <laughs> also, what you're saying about derby getting a uh, to the one player <laughs> final on Sunday. Not sure about that at the moment. Mm. <laughs> now it's time for this. <laughs> Did Yes sir.
1: You mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before?
0: Yes, it's time for he or Didn't He. This is the part of the show where we have 10 players with various connections to the Championship and a club. All we've got to do is guess whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. We're taking in turns to guess them and we keep the score as the season goes on. This week, it's Justin's turn to guess and my turn to provide the players and clubs with the scores 117-115 to myself for the season. I've gone back ahead right at the end of the season and Justin... We've only got three rounds left. Only got three goes each left. So you desperately need a good score here. I need a Brian McDermott
1: run to the season. Eleven twelve, don't I? It's, it's um frustrating. Uh, I think I've maybe suffering of a bit of fatigue. It happens, these things take it out of you. But I'm I'm ready to go again. I'm recharged, I think. It's it's a long season, Justin. It's a long long season. season.
0: You've had to play a lot of games, so you can understand the fatigue that you're suffering from here. Um, Do you want the first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go, let's go. We'll kick things off with Collins John and Crystal Palace. Did he or didn't he? (laughs) Uh, You're an arsehole. (laughs)
1: Um, I know he played for Fulham, and he may have had a couple of loan spells in the Championship. I know he had a prolific loan spell in the Championship for a club that I can't remember who it was, and that's horrendous. For some reason, I can picture him in a Palace shirt, but it, it might not be a Palace shirt, but I'm going to
0: say no. I'm going to go over my gut and say no. <laughs> Your head was all over the place with that one, wasn't it? Um, Collins John didn't play for Crystal Palace. God, you are God. correct. I made it up. One out of one. Good start. Clark Carlisle and Luton. Did he or didn't he? <laughs> It's incredible.
1: Clark Carlisle Luton, he was a very good player. A really good player. I know he Mm. played for Northampton. I know he played for Watford. But he may have been from around there. So he could have
0: played for Luton. But I don't think he did. I'm going to say no. (laughs) Five appearances on loan in 2007. I've got to say, Clark Carlisle has an extraordinarily long Wikipedia page. Considering, considering other players who have mostly played in the Championship at their level, his Wikipedia page is about 10 times the size of any other player. And well, I, mean, I kind of get the sense someone may have been writing their own page, but we'll leave that there. One out of two for Justin Peach. Next up, Lee Bromby and Norwich City. Did he or didn't he? I can't
1: recall Lee Bromby venturing south. Um, so I'm going to say no. I've said no for all three now.
0: It's not really south either.
1: Depends no where, it, where,
0: where you're saying south from. It's down, isn't it? It's, you, I mean, you you're you in Derby. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of level, I think, from Derby's perspective.
1: North is up, south is down. Okay, That's what then. it is. If you look at a map, north is up, south is down, Norwich is south. Five
0: appearances on loan in 2003. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Cool. One out of three. Paul Anderson and Plymouth. Did he or didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. That was very confident. Well, do you actually remember that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Green Army. Yeah. Four appearances in 2019.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was. <laughs> I was. That was a frustrated yes. I'd not said okay. yes for
0: any. So I thought, law of averages, let's just say yes. That was like Rooney volleying it in against Newcastle when he was arguing with the breath just a matter mm. of seconds ago. That's what that was. Two out of four. Next up, Neil Mellor and Wigan. Did he or didn't he? I want to say no. Um,. I want to say no. I really do. And I'm going
1: to say no. Why not? Okay. No. <laughs> Three appearances on loan in 2006. When did these loan spots happen? This is ridiculous. I literally just said 2006. Yeah, I know. I'm well aware of what you said. Um, I'm taking my frustration out on you and I apologise in advance because this is going to be a very, very bitter end to the season, I think. This is Steve yeah. McLaren, Derby County. 14, <laughs> Capitulating. <season>. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the fans are angry we're having team talks after every negative Jordan Mutch
0: and Wolves did he or didn't he
1: no he didn't play for Wolves <laughs> say it he didn't <laughs> you're correct <laughs> I was about to throw my glass through my laptop why were you so confident about that uh, I see. I I sign in quite a lot on Football Manager um, okay. and I always like to check the pages because I always like to see how many goals they score because I want to see what I'm getting
0: do you know he's playing for Crawley now
1: He's had a strange end to his career, quite a few injury
0: problems. He's played quite quite a few destinations, but Crawley didn't, was not aware, no. Yeah, he was, he was abroad. I can't remember where exactly. It may have been Scandinavia, that kind of way. But, yeah, but strange career because he he, play, he was in the Premier League for ages, but didn't play that many games. Anyway, three out of six. Next up, Liam Bridcut and Watford. Did he or didn't he? Just probably a spell in
1: 2005,
0: seven appearances so yeah six appearances on loan in 2008 All correct <laughs> just three years out yep four out of seven Jason Shackle and Millwall did he or didn't he yeah he had a loan spell from Derby I remember that one yeah I didn't think about the fact that he was on loan from Derby I really should have thought that through the not <laughs> Um seven appearances on loan in 2018 correct five out of eight Mike Williamson and Wes Brom did he or didn't he what a name mm. what a
1: player this is a great one Mike Williamson is he still manager of Gateshead I don't know probably is um, possibly I think he had a loan spell at West Brom I think it's a random six game spell like 2011 he
0: didn't made it up oh, that's one I was really confident about I don't know why is it just because you're not really familiar with Mike Williamson's career too much absolutely yeah I know <laughs> I don't even know where he played for before Newcastle yeah, he was at Newcastle for ages, but before that, not sure at all. I think he was at Wickham, actually. I say that purely because I looked at his Wikipedia page when I was making this quiz. Final one, four out of uh, no, five out of nine. Joe Allen and Wrexham, did he or didn't he?
1: <laughs> this is a, this is a mind game one, but I don't think he did. I said no for quite a few of them, and it's been sort of disappointing. Disappointing game for me again, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. But again he probably had a loan spell in like two thousand eleven. Wrexham I think were maybe still in the league at that point, so no, but no. It was two thousand and eight actually, two appearances on loan. For some reason I've argued the
0: correct points for quite a lot of these and gone completely against them. Yep. to myself for the season but I've got a game in hand which means I am firmly in the driving seat ladies and gentlemen that is a very good score for me after you just got five Justin yeah
1: I think I've done a lot of Simon Grayson's done a lot of Didier Dinty's I'm tired Ryan I'm ready for the season to end I need need a break I need a a
0: winter break (laughs) (laughs) two weeks that would be nice (laughs) (laughs) there we go that's didn't Odinti and this has been the Second Tier Podcast thank you for listening wherever you are ladies and gentlemen just a reminder if you're looking for something to listen to before next Sunday our episode with Lee Peltier is available for you to listen to now on whichever streaming platform you listen to us on he's got some cracking stories played Under plenty of big names like Neil Warnock, Sven and many others. And I tell you what, just a really top bloke. So I cannot recommend it enough. Make sure you listen to last Sunday's episode and give it a listen as soon as possible. So this has been the Second Year Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday because we've got some big games for us to talk about as international football disappears into the distance and the business end of the season begins Justin Peach so we'll be there for you on Sunday to talk you through all of it and we look forward to seeing you then this has been the Second Tier Podcast I've been Brian Dilks I've been Justin Peach and a big thank you for listening